when we had just moved, you know, this wooden roller coaster that they said couldn't be done. Uh, and we put in the Phoenix, we had an entire accounting firm uh, come up with a price. And the price was something like $3 per ride. And uh, Pete Knobel at the time said, all right, thank you for your time. And I will pay you. And we're going to charge $1. And they said, no, the electricity, the labor, the, all the trucking that it used to get here, dismantling, engineering, uh, coaster trains are not free. We strongly recommend our studies show $3. Okay. I heard you. I heard you the first time. Uh, go get your pay, you know, go get your check and uh, we're going to charge a dollar because he wanted people to, again, that whole Sam Walton way of thinking, he wanted people to get off the ride and get right back on. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Hey, Matt, how's it going? It's going fantastic, Josh. How are you? Ah, doing great. So glad to hear that. And I am so excited for our guest today. We are chatting with Brian Knobel from Knobels. Imagine that. His last name is the same name as the park. How does that work? Well, what a coincidence. Cannot believe it. Yeah. Uh, no, this is a, an amazing interview. He uh, is... Uh, part of the Knobel family, obviously, uh, the owners of Knobel's Amusement Re Resort in Ellisburg, Pennsylvania, uh, the park that is more than 90 years old, closer to 100 even. Uh, they're in their 96th season, and we get to talk all about the history of the park, the tradition, uh, blending the heritage with the demands that consumers have today, and I think more than anything, we just get to hear stories. This is a storytelling episode. It really is. And I love the stories that he tells about his family um, and how they make decisions and how so very different their process is than so many other places that we, we talk to. Not to say that one's better or one's worse. I think this is just what works for them. Um, and as a, and as, as a company that's been around as long as they have, they have a pretty good track record. Um, but I love his, his delineation of family versus business. And they're a family. And then they're a business, mm -hmm. right? And, and they've never had to make that distinction before. So um, I think that that's, that's a really great message that kind of weaves its way throughout. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that we could just talk about this interview all day and the lessons that we learned from it, but I think we should just hear it straight from Brian himself and let's get straight to this interview. Here we go. Brian Knoble, so exciting to have you on the Attraction Pros podcast. How are you doing today, Brian? I'm doing well. Thank you for uh, asking me to participate. Absolutely. Couldn't think of a better person to talk to when you're getting ready to open. So super excited that you were able to spend some time. But um, I'm sure most people have heard at least your last name. Uh, but can you tell us a little bit about your history in the industry and obviously a little bit about Knobles? Uh, absolutely. So um, I don't remember this, uh, but my older brother, Rick, 
tells uh, people that our first job in the park was separating the tickets, the ride tickets at the end of the night where people would pay per ride. Uh, we didn't know that blue was blue or red was red, uh, but we knew that the colors were not the same. So our job when the ride operators would come in and dump their ticket cans on the floor. So I was born 1973. So this is probably, you know, 76, maybe. And uh, we would separate the colors and then the staff would count the tickets to know how much money we, you know, that the, the, the cash matched, you know, the tickets in the can. Um, of course, you know, uh, now it's um, 45 years later, I'm waiting for back pay. For that. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I'm a parkie. Uh, you know, been doing this my whole life. And um, of course, I love it or I wouldn't be doing it. But um, I pretty much had about every job in the park. Uh, I was never a lifeguard, uh, but everything from uh, mowing grass, picking paper. You know, uh, we've heard all the stories before of, of ride operations and games. And of course, we have a lumber yard and a campground that's both attached. They are both attached to the park. So it's uh, food stands. I mean, uh, you know, being a Knoble or maybe any owner of any family business, you don't have one role. You're taught to be the fireman. Um, that doesn't mean you go where there's a fire, uh, heaven forbid, but um, you go where the fires are. If you're needed to run a ride, a game, sell tickets, you know, uh, um, boy, as a kid, we used to roll posters for the poster pitch or blow up balloons for the dart game, uh, fill the little sippers. It was all those uh, park jobs, you know, through the years that you did. So uh, I went after high school, I went to college for food and hospitality management. Um, I guess I thought my my future was going to be in our catering and group sales. And um, which is a job my mom did. And uh, I, I did it for about 15 years. I just I really couldn't learn anything else. Um, and it just I felt like that tug to be in the park and to uh, learn from uh, my, you know, my Hall of Fame uh, I have a Hall of Fame father, Dick Knoble, um, and it's, I better start picking his brain, extracting everything out of his brain uh, so I can relay it to everyone else. So, um, and it's, it, uh, the man has forgotten more than I'll ever know. And uh, so what I, I try every day, pick his brain and ask his opinion and uh, vision. So, uh, and here we are. Um um, you know, there's eight of us, eight, eight Knoble family members. Uh, so co-owner, co-managers, uh, we don't really have a not title, you know, per se. So uh, that's about it. There we are. So Brian, growing up with the upbringing that you had, uh, you know, most people do not get to grow up literally in an amusement park doing all these, all these odd jobs and various tasks. I was that... Did, did you know that that was, I would say, probably different than most other people's traditional upbringings who maybe get to go to an amusement park once a summer, once every couple of summers or so, but uh, being able to live it and breathe it every single day? I didn't. Knobles was not overly busy uh, when I grew up. Um, I just thought it's what my parents did for a living. It was no different than if uh, you know somebody was a dentist or uh, you know worked in a warehouse. Um, as the park started to grow, we had a Jetstar ride here, Schwarzkopf Jetstar. Park got a little busier. Uh, it, and uh, I'll go in chronological order. Uh, right in front of our park office, like if, if the two of you would come visit us uh, here at Knobles and, and where I would meet you, uh, that was our kickball field. And it was just a little gravel area. And there was an old tree stump that was home plate. There was a phone booth 
you know, kids today, I don't even know what a phone booth is. Uh, that was first base. A park bench was second base. And uh, there was a crack in the concrete um, where our unofficial guest services, that was third base. Uh, and in a 45-minute game of kickball uh, with my friends and family, you, uh, you may have had to stop twice to allow people to go by. And this is, uh, you know, the, one of the main arteries through the park and you'd only had to stop twice. Well, now, sheesh, uh, you wouldn't have a man on, on second base without having to stop. So it, it really wasn't busy. I, I had a little red tractor uh, pedal, uh, three, three-wheel tractor. I used to uh, pull my cousin Trevor around the park in a little wagon. And, you'd, you know, it was just what you, this was our backyard. It wasn't until um, when I rode rides, the, the, the excitement on the other, my friends' faces that I realized like, hmm, they don't get to do this every day. And, and I did. And I knew where to sit and what angle to lean at, and they didn't. And so kind of like subconsciously, I started noticing this. And then, of course, when we moved the, uh, the rocket from uh, Playland Park in San Antonio, Texas, 1985 well moved in 1984 opened here in 85 that's when that, that's kind of what really really put Knobles on the map then it got busy so I was 12 years old then and well you would think I would remember uh conversations at the dinner table about you know, my dad uh, ah, I want to move a roller coaster I didn't uh that's you know that's Matt you, know, you guys know that's how we talked um and it's that deep marine voice uh that's when it really started to dawn on me like hmm this is a pretty special place so, and continues to be today. Absolutely. So Brian, you mentioned Trevor and you mentioned Rick. Um, so obviously you're very close as a family. Can you talk about the, um, the dynamics that that brings to running a family business? Cause I know obviously that's, that's part of your core and, you know, you talk about it at IAPA and you, you know, you, you advocate for that all over the place. So can you talk to us a little bit about maybe the opportunities and challenges that that, that, that brings? Absolutely. So um, prior to my dad being the park president was uh, Pete Knoble. And there, uh, he used to pass, he used to get a magazine uh, like Family Business Magazine. And if he felt that you needed to read a certain article, well, he'd make a photocopy of it. And uh, uh, maybe in a passive aggressive manner, it was on your desk uh, when you when you came in the next morning. But you knew who it came from and you knew that there was some uh, meat and potatoes to it. Um. Yes. Uh, so I'm on a couple of IAPA committees. Uh, I love volunteering and helping out, you know, the organization. And uh, one of the things we put together every year is uh, Phil Wilson helps me and, and uh, we do, uh, we think it's a fun uh, seminar is uh, Family Matters. Uh, we're going to do it again at this year's IAPA 2022 in Orlando in November. And to hear the stories of the family businesses and, and the difficult decisions they've had to make through the years where at one point they've had to decide, are we going to be a family or are we going to be a business? Here we are starting our 96th year and we haven't had to make that decision yet. And it's probably the most special thing for me being a, you know, a family member in a, in a family owned business. Um, we are a family first. We don't have board of directors meetings. We have family meetings. And, uh, we, you know, we each have our own responsibilities. Nobody really looks over each other's shoulders. Uh, you know, you have my dad who, who did the maintenance end of things and Buddy um, 
in our in our biggest growth through the years, uh, he staffed the rides, and at one time he staffed the rides, the games, and a couple of gift shops. Um, and we've had to hire some managers as as their roles, uh, you know, greatly increased through the years. Uh, uh, every it it just it's a family meeting is fun. I'm not blowing smoke. Uh, to listen to the th- I'm fourth generation to listen to the third generation talk about uh, when Buddy Knobel, uh you know visited um, uh, Lagoon Park when they were moving and I'm sorry I'm sorry uh, um, Elitch Gardens when they were moving and uh, he took his uh, son and daughter out there to say look in my opinion this was Buddy talking look what they did wrong they're taking they're moving the park away from this beautiful canopy of trees don't ever do this and uh one time so the pennsylvania parks get together twice a year one year it was at erie uh up at waldemere park another family owned and operated you know um, paul nelson and steve Gorman and they do nancy they do a tremendous job and uh dad we we went to conneat lake and and there was my brother and i standing and uh dad kind of pacing back and forth like that drill sergeant and uh, he said, you know, look around. Uh, you want this to happen to Knobles? And basically, you know, you, you have to, sometimes it has to be first. Your family is supposed to be first, but sometimes the park has to come first, uh, especially when, if the creeks are rising and we get hit with a flood. But um, you, you have to work nights. You have to work weekends. Um, it's not 52 weeks a year, but when you're open, you, like a farmer, you got to make hay when the sun's shining. But uh, it's it's probably the single most uh, thing I'm I'm um, proud of that we are a family first. That's so interesting and so fascinating to uh, to hear that and and all of the the stakeholders involved going back uh, you know several generations. Uh, I am curious about the uniqueness of the property itself because you talked about comparisons to to some other parks too so i uh, if you're ever asked to explain what knobles is to someone who perhaps has never been before maybe they've been to the other parks in in eastern pa or throughout the country or throughout the world uh, how would you describe knobles i've never been asked that question <laughs> that's a good one um it's it's that it's that throwback traditional quintessential amusement park of yesteryear uh we have no gate you know knobles is um free admission free parking free entertainment and and free picnic area and you you have the option to uh you know buy a wristband uh but um you know, it's the a la carte option that we offer people where, uh, you know, we feel grandma and grandpa get more satisfaction out of watching their grandchildren uh, ride the ride than them themselves. You know, so they don't need to buy a wristband. They can park for free. They can bring their own food. They can ride. Maybe they want to ride the train and the merry-go-round. Okay. Now they're out $4, $5. That's it. Um, grandma and grandpa are on a fixed income. Uh, they didn't have to pay to park. They didn't have to pay an entrance fee. And, uh, you know, they're going to go home almost with that Sam Walton way of thinking where they're going to enjoy the product better because they didn't pay as much for it. But I mean, boy, through the years, it's been, uh, it was farmland. You know, uh, my ancestors used to make and sell charcoal. We were a Christmas tree farm. We were farmers. Uh, you know, as the story goes, um, uh, there are two creeks that join 
uh, at the center, at the heart of our park. And uh, that was, they called them tally hoes. It was people that came in on horseback on the weekend uh, and brought their, their, uh, like their wagon and they parked and uh, my ancestors would feed and stable their horses uh, for the day. Some stories are a nickel, some stories are a dime, some stories are a quarter. I wasn't alive then. I don't know. <laughs> and, and uh, they would, the people would swim and picnic where those two creeks came together in that swimming hole. So it was then where my great grandfather um, put in some uh, park benches and, and actually the, the building, their, their homestead is our uh, accounts receivable, accounts payable and our payroll office today. And uh, the barn is just uh, 60 yards away. And uh, as that story goes, uh, and, and that was Henry Knobel and his wife was Hattie. And she said, it was one evening, she yelled out, Hen, what are you doing outside making all that racket? And he said, well, I'm building picnic tables and park benches for the people to come swim. She said, well, if you do that, we'll never get out of here. So that would have probably been 1925, something like that. Uh, because then in 26, we got a steam powered carousel. Then we started putting in some, a uh, couple of games and a food stand. And, uh, you know, here we are, like I said, uh, 96 years. And now we have, boy, 60 rides, over two dozen games, 30 food stand. And, uh, you know, the, uh, an adjoining campground with over 600 sites and cottages and log cabins and primitive tent platforms. So um, the number one question is always, you know, what would your ancestors think? So I hope I answered your question. What is Knobles? That's uh, I'm going to think about that one for the next podcast. You guys signed me up for. <laughs> well, Brian, I love to hear you talk about the history and um, you know, when you call it a throwback, you know, as someone who's obviously been to Knobles, there is that throwback feeling. It's very family friendly, very family oriented. And I'm curious sort of how you balance that with, probably what the the rest of the industry is focused on is adding something new to bring new people in, right? So how do you balance, I guess, the tradition with bringing new things in so that you can attract new new guests or, or give your guests something to do that's different than, than what they've done in the past? Um, another good question. I should have done my homework. <laughs> <laughs> so it you do have to offer some, some new things. Uh, when we started uh, polling some people, um, uh, you know, asking some of our fans, what do you want to do? And so this was um, uh, 2000, I don't know. So 2000, we put an impulse 2015. So a few years before that, people said they want to go upside down. That's what they wanted to do. So uh, uh, Rick, Trevor, uh, Jim Martini and myself, we went uh, roller coaster shopping. That was kind of fun. There aren't <laughs> many perks of being a Knoebel, but that was one of them. We had a lot of fun doing that. And, uh, you know, down at IAPA and, and talking to people, we give them a footprint. Um, uh, you know, of course, we have, uh, you, you know, the, the, the rides you can buy at IAPA Expo. Uh, but again, let's circle back, you know, where we are that, you know, quintessential amusement park. Uh, what's our niche? It's almost recreating the past. Uh, we can't be a museum. Some of the rides in the past were very low capacity. And uh, due to, you know, safety regulations, they just cannot be, um, can't copy and paste. That's, uh, you can do that on a laptop, not, a, not in a park. Uh, so, I mean, yes, this year, uh, our goal, uh, if we can do it, uh, is to open a barren curve 
ride here in the park. Very historical Schwarzkopf ride. And we actually bought two of them and we're, we're working. We have a crew working on them uh, almost every day. Uh, so we have a uh, we have some rides on the shelf to uh, work on. Uh, our staff comes in in the morning and, and inspects rides. And then, uh, you know, they, they get their jelly bucket and take a little break. And then, um, hey, let's go tackle some of these projects to, uh, you know, maybe a ride is uh, nearing its lifespan. And we're just going to simply take that ride out and we're going to uh, while abracadabra and a, and a historical ride is going to appear in that very spot. We do, you know, one of the number one questions fans ask is what's new for this year? What's new for this year? Many times we envision a family sitting at home at night with the iPad, maybe the telephones on in the past and in the background. And, you know, what do they want to do? Uh, where do they want to go this summer? Do they want to go to the shore? Do they want to, you know, go to Disney or Orlando? Um, you know, you have to offer something new, something different, something unique. Many times it's food. They want to come down and taste something. Um, but we just have every year, you just can't, you know, as, as a family owned park, and I think you know, the other family parks would vouch, you know, agree with us. We, we can't keep up. We can't, It's impossible to offer something new every year. But maybe you could mix things up a little bit. Maybe you can put a ride on the shelf and bring something back out. So, um, I'm blessed my family because, uh, they keep coming back and, uh, I don't know why, but <laughs> it's a pretty special feeling, uh, when you're, and maybe we'll touch base on this in the podcast later, uh, when you're in the park and you see a family here for the second time, that's a pretty special feeling. Yeah, no, I, I'm sure that's that's got to be amazing. And I actually would love to even just go deeper into that. I, if you do offer something new, you know, every year, hopefully that, you know, that in and of itself brings people back. Uh, but even if you're not, uh, what would you say, I, I would say gets people back to to Knobles each year? I, I don't know. I think it might be something different for everyone. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, actually, it's fun. the t-shirt that I'm wearing is... Uh, a family that's been coming here for uh, like 60 years and they camp every year and they get a whole row of, of campers and in, in the, and they have a family and they have a whole uh, itinerary. And one night they meet uh, at fascination and they play fascination for one hour and they do the, they do the fish fry on Friday nights and they, uh, they have breakfast together. And um, maybe aunt, aunt uh, Jessica, she cooks one night uh, and then comes back down and they go swimming. It's um that's probably the, as far as, you know, I, I brought up earlier, you know, uh, like say internally uh, with the, you know, we are a family first uh, on an external. Uh, yeah. You know, now I'm going to ask people why they came back, uh, <laughs> but it's just, you know, you're in the park and, and somebody recognized you uh, maybe from a podcast or a news or, uh, and they could have went hiking. They could have went to a baseball game or the shore and they didn't. They chose to come here, and uh, it, it tells us we're doing something right. Uh, it's probably the most uh, emotional feeling I get throughout the summer. So, Brian, can you talk a little bit more about seeing that that family come back a second time or a third time or a fourth time? Um, what I guess, what does that say to you? How does that make you feel? What does that inspire you to do as the co-owner and co-manager? Oh, 
Um, I make it a point to talk to them because our family is real. We don't uh, sit in some ivory tower. You know, we're out in the park. Uh, you'll often see Buddy Knobel, uh zooming around, uh, helping his wife, Deb, with uh, that she's in charge of the gift shops and he's uh, hauling merchandise from one end of the park to the other. Uh, but uh, as any mentor would do, uh, he he always takes time to hop off the cart and, uh, you know, help the guest get from point A to point B or maybe uh, give a hug to someone that uh, he's seen here before. Uh, I, I think all I can speak for all the family parks. They all do something special. Uh, Del Grosso's. Uh, I'm told that they have like a, a pasta night and uh, the family is expected to be there and shake hands uh, with the guests that are there that evening. And just basically saying, thank you. Um, you know, I just, I guess I can circle back. It's uh, it's just, it's just special. And I do get emotional and I've gone up to the campground sometimes just to go sit. I don't often introduce myself as Brian Knoble. Um, I mean, most of the time uh, I just, I don't even wear a name badge, you know, or I'll even tuck the walkie talkie behind me so they don't see that. I mean, Dick and Buddy don't wear a staff shirt, so they could be seen. I don't, I don't think Leanna uh, does too often either. So it's, we're kind of incognito or I don't know, but uh, people recognize us and it's, and it's nice to hear. Um, you know, we love this. We love the, you know, the food. We love the, uh, when you, you know, can you get this ride back open? Because, you know, COVID was the, you know, such a big challenge for everyone. Uh, it's, it's, uh, you might see them, uh, even the locals when they come down, cause they don't have to pay to park or get in and, uh, pay to enter. They'll, they'll, uh, grab an ice cream cone and they'll sit by the, by the, and watch the free entertainment, but it's just, it's wonderful seeing them same thing. They could have, they could have done anything and they chose to come down here. So, and the fact we allow dogs is uh, on a leash, you know, you're, you're in charge of the little poopy if they, if they <laughs> might make one, but uh, you know, a dog is a part of a family, uh, you know, cats, not so fish, not so much, but a dog. <laughs> yeah, they really are. And uh, the camp, you know, you can have it up at the campsite. You just got to keep it on the leash and it's, it's uh, family atmosphere. Nothing beats it. I've got to imagine that for some people coming to visit the park, seeing a Knobel at Knobel's is like a celebrity sighting for, you know, for some people. I've got to imagine for, you know, it's like, uh, it's like seeing Walt at, uh, you know, at Disneyland, you know, something like that. <laughs> we don't like to think so. Um, and we put our pants on the same way everybody else does. I, I work seven days a week, uh, you know, in the summer. And um, some of our staff has told us like, don't look, you know, as we're eating at one of the food stands, but the entire staff is staring at you. Like, oh, they're eating in our restaurant, in our, in our food stand. They're eating here. They're riding this ride. Um, I just wanted something to eat, you know? <laughs> Come and sit with me. Uh, we're actually talking about rolling out a program that some other parks do where, uh, you know, maybe we're going to sit and do uh, breakfast with Brian or dinner with Dick, lunch with Leanna. And we're talking about rolling it out for, to maybe to uh, a handful of employees who uh, maybe have, uh, you know, gotten one of the one of our way to go tokens that we pass out you know throughout the park uh just little you know little uh knobles thing on that uh matt i'll get you some of those when you come visit and, all right uh, good you can distribute them on your road trip <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, 
so uh it's you know guys it's we're we're just simple people uh who just go to work every day and but we love what we do and um then it's not work i mean it's a little cliche but uh i'm living it yeah for sure for sure so when you talk uh, again about family not only in the um the, the people that are running the park, but also the people that are coming. That's a, a huge family atmosphere. Um, and people over the course of time have been there to run the food stands and run the rides and things like that. And a lot of those folks are either, you know, kind of satellite family members or family members themselves. But I'm wondering if you can talk specifically about the food because you've won the golden ticket for many, many years to have the best park food in the country. And so, or I guess in the world. So what is it that makes Knobel's food so special? So the first one's going to make you laugh. Uh, through the years when my dad was asked that question, uh, his answer was always, you know, food better be good because I eat all my meals here. <laughs> and you know, being that Marine, he would tell you if the French fries weren't cooked enough, I don't like this tartar sauce. Stop, you know, uh, cheaping out on the uh, sauerkraut for the hot dogs or uh, chili's too spicy. He never had a problem telling you exactly what he thought. Um, and maybe sometimes I think the world needs more Dick Knobles. I really do. Uh, longevity. Uh, one of my analogies recently was um, uh, a, a storied high school football program has a, uh, a coaching staff typically has a coaching staff that uh, has worked together for a long time. No different than, uh, especially in our food service department. Uh, we hired a gentleman named Dan Williams in about 1986. And uh, he's still with us. So uh, he, he comes to work all the time, loves what he does. Uh, great mentor and, and just a great all around person. Uh, he loves what he does. He's, he's, um, he's studying other menus and he's going to fairs and taking pictures and he's asking around. Um, and then uh, another gentleman we have that works uh, full-time for us is a gentleman named Tony Rodriguez. He was on a, he was on a, uh, IAPA committee and, uh, I believe he started with us in, in, uh, 99. So this will be his 23rd season for us. Uh, same thing. And, uh, you know, we'll attend the, uh, various food and beverage, um, conventions, expos, uh, both uh, locally, but also, you know, uh, uh, throughout the nation. Um, and they just, they, um, so one, we have, we have a couple food managers. Sometimes they challenge, we don't even have, my family doesn't have to get involved. They challenge each other. Now I found the best French fry. No, I found the best French fry. Um, sometimes, you know, and if it's ice cream, uh, well, not many parks can afford like a Haagen-Dazs, of course, you know, I'm not, I'm not, by no means am I, uh, criticizing them. I love their ice cream, but, um, maybe there's, so we've had ice cream tastings down here. Uh, that's also a little, a fun perk. Yeah. Uh, we got about 25 people and we brought in, I don't know, uh, a dozen different ice cream suppliers, and uh, this one's too creamy. That one's not creamy enough. This one, too much chocolate, not enough chocolate. And uh, winner take, for most cases, winner takes all. There's a fun story about a naming of a ride in a Canoble family meeting. If, if we have time, uh, I can share that. Uh, but most times winner takes all. And, uh, you know, then we go across the board. So it's, it's um, 
you know, there's a, there, I think there's a Facebook page about like uh, uh, food, food connoisseurs, I believe, uh, park, park food connoisseurs, something like that. And uh, we study that and uh, ask around and what's popular. And um, it, it's, uh, I'm going to circle back. We eat all of our meals here. It's not just my dad. Well, I think even just the statement of I eat all my meals here, I think that that shows the level of commitment to quality control that can then lead to just just obviously the, you know, the the best highest quality food versus if they were to say, oh, I, I don't need that. That's for the guests. I'm, you know, I'm eating my own food over here. I brought my lunch today, whatever it is. Yeah, I, my uh, 19 year old daughter just just texted me yesterday. She attends uh, University of Tennessee and she said found um, Pete Owens neck of the woods. And she said that. When are we going to get those corn nuggets back? I love those corn nuggets. And I'm like, you know what? I do too. So uh, what was the text to our uh, food staff today? Let's bring those corn nuggets back this year. Yeah, we love those corn nuggets. So it's, it, sometimes just, you know, it's organically yeah. how it happens. Do you have a uh, favorite food item? Hope the question's not too controversial there, but, but out, of, out of all the food you serve in the park. <laughs> no, no, not, co- not controversial at all. Um, Look at me. I'm, uh, I think I sample all the food somewhere. I'm in my office right now and somewhere I have a badge around here that says official food taster. So, uh, I don't know that I have a favorite. Um, you know, we're known for our chicken and waffles. Uh, we have a great fresh cut French fry. Our pizza is delicious. Um, we have, um, Mrs. T's pierogies that we use our banana splits. Uh, I challenge any one person to be able to eat that by themselves. (laughs) Uh, my now my mouth is watering me too me too everything it's it's chicken salad uh that's homemade uh so much food in our alamo restaurant is homemade we do a spaghetti night we do um we do a fish fry and, and our macaroni and cheese uh i mean our catering department uh we'll cater as many as uh 12 000 people on a saturday with rotisserie chicken and hamburgers and hot dogs and um yeah think of any 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 picnic type food um, again, my mouth is watering. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't so, know that I have a favorite. I like all of all the above. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I asked if it's, you know, that you wouldn't favor one over the other, the, you know, or the, yeah. the culinary team, but, but yeah, so that was, that was a good diplomatic, uh, wide well, sampling there. You gave us <laughs> I, my, my brother, Rick, when he's asked what his favorite ride is, he's always all of them. <laughs> right. So I'm going to use the same. Uh, I like all the food. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I would love to hear that story about the family meeting when you were naming the ride. Oh boy. All right. So um, we were going to put a drop tower in ARM, you know, the guys, uh, Mike Gill at ARM was phenomenal to work with. And uh, so I think this was about Oh nine and um, uh, okay. Let's, let's name it. Well, my dad wanted to call it OMG. Mm. Although catchy, that might be a little controversial. Let's not let's not do this one, Dad. I want to name it OMG. <laughs> so, Dad. So we we tasked we had a team come up with like say twenty names. We sat in a family meeting and 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 we just fun uh, you know had a fun discussion, and we said, all right, I, I, we're kind of wasting time here. Let's create a a list. So. Uh, Leanna, for your first choice, you get five points. Your second choice is worth three. Your third choice is worth one point. Same for Brian, you know, Buddy, Rick, Trevor. Uh, and, and we sat in this meeting and, uh, I, and I know my family, you know, and I said, are you sure we're going to do this? Like, 
I don't want to hear that, uh, you know, I disagree. I don't want to hear. And I was, I was just vocal. You know, my dad runs the meeting and, and, uh, and buddy, of course. And um, I said, I'm just afraid we're going to do this. We're going to go through this whole voting and something's going to, like it, I said, guys, nope, we all agree. We actually made a motion to agree that whatever, whoever, whatever name is the, is the, is the, that's the one we're going with. We tally up, take a little break, you know, and when we're tallying up the scores, you know, drum roll, you know, and the winner is Stratosphere. And my dad slams his fist, I veto! <laughs> No, we're not going to do this. We just said, he said, look, there's a lot of brain power in this room. He said, but there's even more brain power out there in the maintenance shops, in the gift shops, in the campground. I'm going to go ask them. And he left the meeting and he got in his golf cart and went for a ride. I guess the meeting's adjourned, isn't it? (laughs) And uh, so we had to schedule another meeting to come back, which we ended up choosing Stratosphere after all that. And what is the number one thing people say when they're coming down the drop tower? OMG. So, and he still says, he goes, ah, told you. And he'll say those things a little, you know, uh, looks like the teacher knows more than the student. So it, uh, it, but we, and we still laugh about it to this day. So, I mean, we put in the log flume in um, I think about 1991 and uh, that still isn't named because my family couldn't agree on a name. So, uh, like, you know, we have a potato cake uh, stand. It's named Potato Cakes, and we have a uh, soft ice cream stand that is named Soft Ice Cream, uh, <laughs> because we can't agree. Because it just, but you know, it it's fun. I mean, how many other board of directors meetings can you say and and walk out of there laughing? And you know, when I, when I uh, part of my committee. Um, Omid Omidafard uh, from uh, Santa Cruz and there's been John Norris and there's been um, uh, Paul Nelson a lot so a lot of family and I, I've learned a lot through the years Dino Fazio and uh, we we have these discussions once in a while and, and I and I would tell uh, I said you know we we would sit in there and and my dad would um, he doesn't want to talk about something he yells next subject what do you do? You know, you move on to the next subject. And uh, Buddy uh, went to school for uh, sociology. So sometimes uh, he'll answer a question with another question. And you're kind of scratching your head and, well, you didn't really get an answer. So you, you move on to the next topic. So I told that story in one of our meetings once and we broke for lunch and came back and, and Omid said to me, Brian, he goes, you have me on the edge of your seat or on the edge of my seat. I said, why? He said, you didn't finish your story. I said, Omid, what do you mean? He goes, well, your dad says next subject, but he says, you know, he answers it in a question. Uh, how do you get anything done? I said, no, that, that was the punchline. That was, it was the end. Like there, <laughs> he goes, what do you do? And I said, it, it's dependent on how hard the no is. Sometimes the no is all right, do it. I just don't want to know about it. Just hurry up and go get it done. Oh, but sometimes, uh, you know, Dick would let us know who carries the bigger stick. Then you didn't do it. Yeah. So you you wanted a job the next day. 
So uh, mom fired me a few times. Dad, I don't think dad's fired me, but you know, mom, <laughs> I got the boot. I got sent home. And then the next morning I would wake up and mom, where mom would be waking me up and telling me to get my butt to work. And I would be like, mom, you just fired me. Don't talk back to me and get down there and help out, help the team. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Put on a staff shirt and you go, what were you going to do? Yeah. That's great. That's great. Thank you for sharing that story. Uh, I, one of the things I've always been curious about, we can go as, as shallow or as deep as, as you'd like into this, is the business model of Knobles, obviously uh, comparing to a, a traditional gated amusement park. Uh, you shared several stories, you know, just, just over this interview of the couple who will come and have an ice cream cone and watch the entertainment. Uh, and it's, it's incredibly hospitable. I can imagine that, you know, so many people must, must love it. Uh, but also balancing that with the business needs and obviously, you know, having to maintain profitability. So I, I, that's just an area I've always been, been curious from the, the paper play business model in this industry. Uh, I'm going to take you back to, uh, 1984, 85. Um, you know, okay. I was only 12, but, uh, when we were putting in, when we had just moved, you know, this wooden roller coaster that they said couldn't be done. Uh, and we put in the Phoenix, we had an entire accounting firm, uh, come up with a price and the price was something like $3 per ride. And, uh, Pete Knoble at the time said, all right, thank you for your time and I will pay you and we're going to charge $1. And they said, no, the electricity, the labor, the, all the trucking that it used to get here, dismantling, engineering, uh, coaster trains are not free. We strongly recommend our studies show $3. Okay. I heard you. I heard you the first time. Uh, go get your pay, you know, go get your check and uh, we're going to charge a dollar because he wanted people to Again, that whole Sam Walton way of thinking, he wanted people to get off the ride and get right back on. Now they rode the front. Now they want to go ride the back. Now, of course, our Phoenix is uh, known across the world to ride the third seat. So uh, now they're going to, so we got our three bucks and then, and then they're going to go tell a friend. Okay. So now, now we have our $6, but if it was, if it was uh, three bucks, they were probably only going to ride at one time. And we've just run with that model of value. Buddy Knoble brings up value in, whew, I would say quarterly. I don't know about every family meeting, but every uh, every third, he brings up the term value. So um, it's it's tough predicting the future, especially you know when uh, brochures have to go to print. And um, so here we are in November, just finishing up November twenty. 21, just, you know, this past November, finishing up uh, uh, a, a very good year financially for us. Uh, a lot of people came to visit and, uh, you know, you hear throughout the industry that per caps are up. Uh, so now we're trying to predict the future, but um, okay. There was a change in our leadership in Washington, DC. Is that going to lower gas prices? Is that going to raise gas prices? Um, our electricity is going to go up. Health insurance is going to go up. Uh, okay. You always have to um, so you have a, now, you know, uh, America's dealing with this, uh, this bird, uh, which is affecting the chicken price right now. Um, so, but the brochure, I don't have a, I don't have a brochure in front of me right now, but, but the, uh, the brochures, uh, have this price. So you're going to have a family reunion or a company picnic saying, look, uh, you told us the, the chicken or the hamburgers was this price. 
and I want this price. That's what's in your brochure. Well, you can't account for fuel surcharges and and trucking and uh, uh, all the what ifs. You know, I don't need to go into full detail, uh, but it's just all the business model has just always been value and it works. You know, we have no other parks tried it. And I can't tell you why it hasn't worked because it has worked here. Other parks, um, they, they've put up a gate and they've charged admission or they've charged parking. For some reason or another, man, it just works here. It really does. I think that's what, you know, our friends in the industry, our, our fans, uh, even the locals that they just special place. Yeah. Well, and I, I think you have the history too, to tell you that, you know, when you keep it a family and you don't have to have that family versus business discussion, that also helps inform your decisions, right? So you probably wouldn't come into the, to the meeting and say, I think we should charge for parking. Right, that probably wouldn't wouldn't fly because that's not part of the hospitality that you provide, right? Or somebody you're you're going to charge a an entertainment pass when people come in because that's that that's not the model that you have and that's not what the reputation is that you've built up, right? So I mean I mean that that wouldn't wouldn't kind of enter into your decision making, I wouldn't think. It, it doesn't even come up. It yeah. you know none of that even. We are a uh, free admission, free parking park first, and then we'll then then once you're here. Uh, okay, sure. You have the, sometimes we have the thought of, well, it's a little bit of a captive audience, but we do not talk about dynamic pricing like some other parks have done. That doesn't even come up in conversation. This is the price. And um, okay, maybe this year we're going to take one on the chin. We'll account for it next year. So awesome. And, and it, honestly, God, it works. So. <laughs> Great. Uh, Brian, this has been such a fascinating discussion and we're uh, starting to wind down here. Uh, but in the meantime, if people want to get a hold of you directly, if they want to learn more about Knobles, where would you send them? So, uh, of course, we have a website, knobles.com, K-N-O-E-B-E-L-S, because uh, people don't always spell it correctly, but uh, uh, we have a Facebook page, uh, Instagram. Uh, we have now we have TikTok and and. Uh, and um, Snapchat. Uh, new this year, we have a Knobles app. So uh, we had one years ago, it just was a little generic and it uh, we didn't have the resources uh, to support it. Uh, so um, uh, so and we didn't have park maps for a couple of years. So uh, with everything, you know, uh, little <laughs> everybody knows uh, the, the costs have gone up and uh, we ordered half as many maps at twice the price as uh, what we did in uh, 2019. So uh, it was the first year bringing brochures, up-to-date brochures back, but uh, we wondered, uh, yeah, I don't know that we have to order as many because of the app. I mean, you still have children. They want to hold something. They want to be in charge. Little Billy uh, wants to hold that map and he wants to point at his favorite ride in the park. And, uh, and of course, you know, the older generation, they don't have a smartphone. So we provide the, the maps in the park and, and a brochure map. Uh, but for maybe everybody in between, uh, yeah, you can uh, download the download that. But I mean, we have a guest services team here in the park and there's there's always a Knobel on the property at all times. Um, so it's, it, it uh, we're here live and in person. 
Awesome. Brian, uh, like, like Josh said, this has been a great conversation. It's always great to catch up, but I can't let you go without asking about how did you get a coffee named after you? <laughs> so, uh, I, I, oh, let me think what year it was about 2015 or 2016. Uh, I gave up, I, I drink a lot of soda. I run on caffeine and, uh, I was finding myself drinking like a six pack of Pepsi per day, like bottles. And, uh, boy, was I fat and I gave up soda. And, uh, and that, in that one year I lost 37 pounds. I still ate snacks and I still ate park food and, and, uh, deep fried this and ice cream, but I just, I gave up soda, but then I found myself being exhausted. I needed something and I was never a coffee drinker. So, uh, we have a Starbucks stand here in the park and one of the baristas, uh, she said, I'm going to make you some, she's like, you like chocolate milk? Everybody likes chocolate milk. And, um, so she just added a shot of espresso to it and, um, little, but not, not two. So, you know, a mocha is officially two shots of espresso. So it just backed it off a little bit, gave me that little, uh, jolt in the morning. So I wasn't Mr. Poopy pants every morning, uh, when I was, you know, be on the grounds. And um, it, it kind of just, you know, it took off a BK special uh, here, here at Canoble. So if you go up to the Starbucks stand here in the park, you can order a, a BK special. Uh, there's a coffee shop in uh, Illysburg named uh, Profile Coffee Shop. They have a little button. Matt, I think you've, uh, you've gone. You're not a coffee drinker yourself, but you've seen it, right? I've seen it. And I think it has your little picture next to it. <laughs> it like when order, that, that's the, the POS button. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're a tight-knit community. Everybody knows everybody. And uh, uh, yeah, you can go in there and just order the BK special. So, um, <laughs> but I'm afraid that chocolate in there is uh, not helping my waistline. <laughs> That's funny. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, Brian, as we start to, uh, or as we wrap this up here, any final thoughts, any lasting words for our audience? Uh, no, um, you know, by the time anyone gets to see this, uh, we will have uh, two weekends uh, that we've been open uh, because as we're recording this, we open uh, this coming Saturday and the uh, uh, Penn State theme park is coming to do a behind the scenes. I think there's about 38 students. Uh, they're going to learn about uh, flying turns and Phoenix and behind the scenes. And uh, uh, we have some fun things planned for them. The uh, Great Ohio Coaster Club is coming. Um, then we'll, by then we'll have a Mother's Day weekend where all the moms in the park uh, get a corsage, you get your picture taken with our characters um, and, and your dogs. You know, we talked about that if you want to bring your puppy. So um, our staffing's looking a little bit better than it was last year. So uh, last year, many times we were only able to get about 40 rides open. Uh, so this year, our goal, we're looking at, we're going to be, we think we're going to be able to get 50 open on a routine basis. So uh um, I encourage everyone to come and visit. I, I promise you will have a good time. Absolutely, you will. As someone who's been there multiple times, uh, it is it is such a great time. Throwback is a great um, term for it. And Brian, we just can't think, thank you enough for uh, spending your time with us today. Uh, and for everybody who, else, who is out there watching and listening, just remember, we are all Attraction Pros. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release, and even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.